it's a real pleasure to meet you, man. And thank you and Ash for having me on, bro. Oh, thank you so much for being on. It's our pleasure. And you want to just tell the viewers a little bit about yourself, how you got into Scientology and well, we'll get to what you do do now later on. Yeah. How, how you got into it? Was it a family thing? It was my friend. Um, I'll try to keep this succinct and brief. So my dad went down to work one day when I was around nine or 10 years old and he happened to look in the newspaper and in the bottom right-hand corner, it said Dianetics, learn how to communicate better. And for the audience, Dianetics is obviously the precursor to Scientology, right? So my dad went down to the local mission and he came back later that night with what I describe as a thousand yard stare. He was hypnotized basically, Sean. And he came back speaking differently, acting differently. And he told my mother that he needs to borrow a large sum of money from his brother in order to do Scientology. And this went on for a couple months and where my parents were arguing where if he wasn't allowed to do it, he might have to get a divorce. Long story short, I eventually got sucked into it when I hit a transitional or vulnerable point in my life, which is when cults get you. And the whole family got sucked into it. How old? And I you? got out. I was around nine or 10 years old when my dad came home that night with that, you know, hypnotized, glazed look. It freaked all of us out. My mother didn't know what was happening. And I, I'll just give you the quick timeline. So nine or 10 years old, my dad got into it. My mother eventually went down to the mission a few months later and she signed up for it. We can discuss the process of how they get you in. It's called finding your ruin. And she kind of accepted Scientology. And then they worked on me when I was like the black sheep of the family. So whenever I get in trouble, they'd sit me down and they say, do you want to be punished for a few months? Or would you like to go ahead and take a course down at Scientology? Right. And so I eventually was getting slowly brainwashed. I didn't like it. I knew it was evil. I knew evil entered our family. I knew something was wrong. But the basic tenets made sense. So eventually, around 19 or 20, when I was in a kind of a low transitional point, I took to Scientology and I didn't get out until I was 35. And I woke up in a single day out of it. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, I did go into the Scientology Center in London and watch the videos and do the personality test. And they're still sending me letters <laughs> to this day. Yes, so, they are. For example, then if I had took it to the next level, how would they have hooked me in? Well, you would have done a communication course, right, Sean? They would have gone over that personality test that you took. And it's designed, rigged to find, to push your buttons is what they call it. So they would say, Sean, it says here that you're really... Um, aggressive in a good way you can go out and get work done but over here it says that your relationships are kind of you know bad or you don't know how to communicate very well sean so for 50 bucks you know uh and two weeks we can handle that and that's how they start you out 50 bucks on a course then it goes up to the next level which is the purification rundown which is their pseudo very dangerous um apparently drug rehabilitation program that's about a thousand or two thousand and then they throw you onto the auditing that's where you hold the soup cans sean and they put false memories into you but you think you're going spiritually free and that becomes thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars beyond that you go up to the confidential levels and that's how far i got up before i literally had a nervous breakdown it creates schizophrenia multiple personality disorder on purpose at those levels 
That's interesting that you got information about the drug rehabilitation program because one of my best friends in America died in it. So he was the guy who kept sober when we were doing parties and I put him in charge of, you know, head of the security team. But when we all got arrested, he got depressed and he went to hard drugs and his parents went online and some broker sent him to a Scientology rehab and they put him on medication and a side effect of the medication was suicidal thoughts and he hung himself. And this is documented. It's online. His name's Courtney Bates. And I think the family got a compensation from the Scientologist, like a six-figure sum. So what happens in these programs? Wow, Sean, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that just blows my mind because I know a lot of people that died on that too. Yeah. Um, Tell us about it. Do you want to... Do you want to hear what goes on in the purification program, Sean, or the auditing or like the basic courses? What would you like to hear? All of them. If we've got There's time. a whole bunch. Yeah. All I'll of give them. you, I'll tell you about the fear. I'll tell you what your friend went through. This is what okay. they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really disturbing by the way. Cause I hate, I hate to hear that. And I know all about Narcanon. I did that program three times, by the way. And what they do like your friend is they take someone who's down and out that leads that needs legitimate, you know, medical help. And what they would have done to him is strictly Scientology. And not only does that not help. So here's how it goes down. They sell it to you. And why you buy into it is because they say it's simply a running program. You're going to go in a sauna and you're going to sweat. Sometimes you have to be in for about five hours a day. You can take breaks here and there every single day for a month or maybe two months. So what you do is they overload you with vitamins, but they tell you that's healthy. They start you out low, but it gets really high. You can kill someone with this overdose of vitamins. So they, you take some vitamins, you go run for 30 minutes, you start sweating. By the way, the main vitamin is niacin. So you start getting really itchy and, and rashy and all that stuff. And their science is that when this happens, you're turning things on. Their theory, which is totally BS, is Drug, res drug residuals, if you've done a lot of LSD, they are permanently in your fatty tissue. Sunburns that you've had, they stay with you. So when you're taking these vitamins, running and going into the sauna and sweating it out, all sorts of things start happening. People's skins have, have turned blue. There's actually been ooze that's come out of it. I personally was, you know, had all sorts of redness. Uh, I kind of, you kind of lose your mind. And they say, that's your drug trip turning out. The redness, that's the sunburn. So you think that you're actually getting gain and you're, and you're going spiritually free or whatever. What happens at the end of two months of doing this? Because it's kind of like an initiation ritual. It kind of It's a brainwashing program and it breaks you down. I was so spaced out of my mind uh, when I did this. And that's when they say you pass. They call it a major stable win. You have to have a win in order to pass it. So once you're broken down and you're out of your mind, and if you live to tell about it, they say, congratulations, you passed the Purif. On to the next step. And that they, when I did it, it was at the local church, or that's what they call it. It's obviously a cult. But so, you know, it's big, fancy buildings. It looks, you know, all technical and everything. I knew it was the Church of Scientology. But your, you know, your friend and these other people, they have no idea it's connected to the church. So there's somebody going online right now paying $10,000 to sign up their kid that needs help and he's going to go get thrashed at Scientology. And that's how they hook in people oh, from that. They're oh my God, so sad to think that he went through that. Isn't there like 
the government um, agencies like medical, you know, treatment and handing out drugs, F the FDA, whatever. Is, are there some kind of laws to prevent this? There are, Sean, and I don't, I don't have the information on whether or not Narconon is allowed or recommended necessarily, but I believe that they have recommended it. You're talking about when, um, when criminals or whatever, you know, are, are, um, in, did I, I lost you on my end, Sean, can you still no, see No, you're me? fine. It's just, it was just out to replace my camera battery. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so they do, I don't know for sure, Sean, whether they not, whether or not they still recommend it to people. But, you know, you're talking about people that are up on criminal charges. Hey, you need to go, you know, do a drug rehab program, right? I'm not sure it goes through the court systems. There would be laws against that. But um, it doesn't prevent them from operating. There's Narconons all over the world. And they, they get away with it. Because, again, as you know all about front groups and how cults and everything, you know, uh, work in a stealthy way. Yeah. One of the interesting things I heard you say was that they bragged about how they could use the court system to crush people and they were masters of playing the court system. Could you expand on that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know all about this, right? I've been watching your channel for years. So you get into, you would, you and your audience would know that the court system, the quote unquote justice system is pretty easy to uh, manipulate. And L Ron Hubbard, I mean, this cult's kind of deep, you know, in the intelligence field. So it wasn't just like he figured out one day how to come up with all this espionage technology and how to infiltrate the government and like all this stuff. He was schooled in and very well knew how to manipulate the court system. So what they do is if anybody sues them, they simply drag it out forever and they just bury them into the ground. However, something interesting is happening on that right now because actor Danny Masterson from that 70s show is up on rape allegations. And this has a chance to possibly, we hope, sneak Scientology into the case because it came up a little bit as to why the gals were gaslit and they weren't able to report it until a long time later. And they've been under alleged threats. Um, it's not even alleged, dude. They fair game you when you come out. That means they do, they might poison your pet. They might, um, they do all sorts of things to terrorize you into um, ever taking them to court. And if you do, they'll drain you. They have over $2 billion and they always win. And which L. Ron bring, Hubbard was very aware of that. Which brings us to the Hollywood connection then. How come Tom Cruise got so deep into this? He has dyslexia. That was his ruin. So what they do, like we mentioned earlier, is they find your ruin, right? Everybody has a vulnerability and they're experts using that personality test that you talked about to find that out. And all they do is they push on that button. This is what they did to me, my mother, my father, and Tom Cruise. And his button was dyslexia. So he still reads backwards. He didn't have that fixed. But you can go on uh, television or YouTube and watch a clip where he'll claim that it did fix it. Um, so that's how they got him in. And once you get in, and once they hypnotize you and brainwash you through that te technology, it's very, very challenging to understand what happened to you, especially if you don't know anything about, you know, psych advanced psychology or hypnotism or what the hell's happening to you, you know? Did they get him before he was famous or was it a vulnerable point in his life? Probably a vulnerable point. They got him a little bit after he was just starting to get famous. I believe Mimi Rogers brought him in. Um, 
kind of under the radar you know he wasn't super huge but they try to keep that secret and then they yeah and he's been in forever man and by the way sean i think he might actually be a sociopath so i don't think that a lot most of the people there are victims they're actually kind of empathic people people that want to help tom might be a sociopath or a psychopath <laughs> so i don't know if he's not necessarily benefiting and wants to be there in, in a certain way there's a lot of benefits that he gets he gets free you know slave labor to do all sorts of work for them called the sea org members these are people that sign billionaire contracts and basically work for free seven days a week they don't see their family and whatever and some of these people just work for tom cruise full-time and so i'm sure he's happy about that wow so he's saving a lot of money in his staff costs <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> what what other um famous people got into scientology because we hear about Tom Cruise all the time, but we don't hear about the others. It's a lot of them, man. A lot of people that are under the radar, too, that people wouldn't know about. Just yesterday, Laura Perpon, who is best known for that 70s show, which brings us back to the Danny Masterson thing, which I'll mention in a minute. And she was on Orange is a New Black. She, just yesterday, <clears throat> put out a whole bunch of, put out a press conference or a PR stunt saying that she hasn't been in Scientology for five years. Uh, I think this is personally to distance herself from what's happening with Masterson. She was um, dating uh, Chris Masterson, who was his brother. Um, that's one example. Um, J Jason Doring is another guy who was my best friend for a while before you know we had a falling out. He was on, um, uh, what was he on? He uh, Veronica Mars. There's... Um, Michael Pena, who is on a whole bunch of movies. Um, I'm trying to think of more, the more obscure ones. You obviously know John Travolta is. Elizabeth Moss, she is on a show about being under a totalitarian environment while speaking out about how bad it is to be in a totalitarian environment. Um, and, you know, also Laura Perpon mentioned that, or in that PR thing, that she's married, I believe, to Ben Foster, uh, or they're, they're together. And they claim that he was never a Scientologist. I doubt that. They have a lot of people that are celebrities, maybe B-level celebrities that actually get auditing. You know, they'll have an auditor come up to their house. They'll get on those soup cans and they'll do their processing that never, ever want to affiliate with Scientology. They'll never come out publicly. But there's a lot more people than are even known that are actually receiving counseling. So what got John Travolta into it? What was his weakness? I'm not sure specifically, but they had a movie called Going Clear that came out on HBO, which I get anybody's into this. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, he was doing this. He apparently was a very introverted, unself-confident person. And according to the gal in that movie that was um, kind of handled him, she said that Scientology gave him this confidence, gave him the ability to go out and start booking commercials. He got Welcome Back Cotter. He started getting roles because of Scientology. And that's another very powerful thing that keeps you in there forever. Because if you do have wins or gains or something does happen, and they will help you out. They love bomb you. They pretend they'll do everything they can to help you. Because if you're successful, you're going to give them all your, your money. So he, in order to understand that Scientology didn't help him, would be almost impossible because according to him and his life, that's the reason he even has anybody knows who he is. So if they that's help these guys with their careers, then 
as they're getting more famous and more wealthy, do they just start giving Scientology more and more money back? Absolutely. Not only that, Sean, but they have, they kind of require it. You have to make donations. The more able you become and the higher you get up the bridge, the whole idea is to try to become successful on all areas of life. So one of the areas of life that they push the most is you have to contribute to Scientology. That's the group that makes it possible. That's what gave you everything. So you definitely need to donate back. And they also have a slush fund called the International Association of Scientologists, which members are encouraged for no reason than to protect Scientology, to give them millions and millions of dollars. Tom Cruise has given them millions of dollars. I don't know what John Travolta's you know, money status is nowadays, but I'm sure he's given millions and millions of dollars. And they have, uh, what keeps that thing afloat, Sean, because they don't have a heck of a lot of members, is about 100 or whatever whales. There's a guy named, a businessman named Duggan, who gave them $200 million as part of, you know, the IAS to help defend Scientology. So Ash put an estimate that there's 10 million members worldwide. Is, is that correct or is that not correct? No, that's what they say. Uh, when I was in the Truman Show bubble and you go to these stupid events and rah, rah, I thought we had, we were told 10 million, 12 million, and now it's growing up to 14 they have 20 to 25,000 members worldwide, including the Sea Org, the staff and everything. That's all they have. And yet when you're in that bubble, like I said, they'll tell you and you believe that Scientology is taking over the planet and has 10 million members. So it's all fronts. So this drive then to get the celebrities on board was from L. Ron Hubbard. For people not familiar with the founder of Scientology, could you just give us a bit about his background? His background is super shady. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out to this day because I believe he was just an intelligence operative. I don't think he came up with this all himself. Um, okay, so he, uh, you know, Scientology at its core, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just telling you what it is. Um, according to Nibs, who was L. Ron Hubbard's son, it is one long black magic ritual extended out over a lifetime. So... Hubbard was into the occult. He was into Crowley, Aleister Crowley. So when Crowley died in 47, he literally said he now is taking over the mantle of the beast. He literally thought he was Satan. And that philosophy and that lust for power and everything, as well as the final um, document called OT8 at the top where he admits he's Lucifer the Lightbringer. It's one huge black magic ritual and when you get up to the ot levels it's specifically designed especially the infamous level called ot3 that's the one where i literally went crazy this is where the, the one on the south park show where you get rid of the alien souls on your body and everything it's a form of splitting you know about trauma-based mind control and stuff sean right it's a form of splitting the mind MK Ultra. This is the kind of mk ultra technology that's exactly what scientology is and what makes it different though is that unlike, you know, you and Cameron and stuff where you had to drug them out and play tapes and everything, it's a it's one of the I call it the most public face of MK Ultra today. And it's the most subtle one. And that's why people that's why the powers that be love it, because it's totally hidden. You're not it doesn't seem like you're harming anybody, right? Your friend was going in there just to do a drug rehab. It's it's subtle enough where they're not sitting there, you know, shocking them at everything. But that e-meter, for example, L. Ron Hubbard claimed to be totally anti-psychiatry. He thought psychiatrists were responsible for everything. 
uh, which is, you know, he was in part talking about the MK Ultra doctors, but he was also super paranoid uh, with them with about this. So he basically, um, it is doing exactly what he's saying. It's not. So it's a, it's such a subtle form of MK Ultra. You're putting an electric current through your body. I I can't tell you how many times I was on that e meter, Sean, and I just got knocked out. You know, and then Jeez. 30 minutes later, I'd wake up and the auditor would just be sitting there, ready to give me the next question. So. Um, anyways, I, like I said, I think Hubbard has ties to that. It is a subtle version of what was coming out, uh, what in the forties, fifties and sixties, when that was kicking off with the MK ultra project. And, uh, there it sits today too, by the way. I mean, even though there aren't a lot of members, people are joining all the time, dude, there's celebrities and stuff that are getting, it just still it human traffics people. It does everything. It's a criminal mafia organization but it's it's under the guise of something that is a little subtle if you don't know what it is you know they're not torturing people you're not going to see people like an eyes wide shut sacrificing a people on the corner it's not a sex cult so um it's it's quite clever in terms of trapping people if you don't know what it is so when you came around in the order to ask you questions what kind of stuff would he ask you look around here and find something that's really real to you from where can you communicate to a dog? Spot a spot in space. The questions are designed to activate the imagination and basically implant suggestions. So that's that's an example. They have all sorts of different questions, but they're along those lines where they're kind of tricky, right? It gets your imagination and your mind thinking. And then they basically, it's a long process, Sean, but basically what happens, let me give you an example. So from where could you communicate to a dog? First of all, you don't, know what the hell so you say to the auditor what the hell does that mean well they they can't give you any what they call verbal tech so they say well let's clear the words let's what does from mean where i mean it literally gets that pedantic so they don't tell you what it means that you just clear all the words and they keep asking you until you finally go you take a crack at it from where could i communicate to a dog okay i don't know here thank you from where could you communicate to a dog on and on it goes a lot of these processes eventually uh, will take you into past lives because once they blow the charge on that question and you kind of the needle or whatever stops, you know, there's no science science to this, but this is what they do. They say it's an earlier similar time um, that you had a problem with so and so. And so this is what sends you back past lives. Brother, I made up so many freaking by the time I was in this, I'm, I, I made up so many fake past lives and they're convincing <laughs> when you're under this spell that it took me years to under to go through all of them and go, dude, fuck, man, it's all. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know if I can. I can You're I'm fine. Sorry Keep going. For, sorry, um, I had so many past lives that I had spent years going through and finding out. I mean, obviously, it's stupid, brother, but for me, I didn't know, man. So it took forever to kind of get grounded and understand that I was just having false memories. And we've only got a few minutes left. How did you get out? friend dropped off a book on my doorstep called combating cult mind control by steve hassan um i personally wouldn't recommend his newer books because it's all about he's not kind of applying his own stuff that was in there but that book if anybody were to read it that's in a cult would have some revelations i snapped out of it uh, first of all sean you're not really supposed to i would have not i was going to go report this guy to the church i wasn't going to read the book um, cause you know, I knew I wasn't in a cult, but for whatever reason, it's too long of a story to get into. I cracked open the book and I was out of Scientology about 20 to 30 minutes, had a heart attack. I knew I was in danger. I knew I was going to lose my family. And then I jumped on the internet and it took about a decade from there 
to actually understand what happened to me. I had to lose everything, the family, the acting career, all that. And then finally, um, here I am, dude, talking to you, man, about Scientology and doing, you know, a channel about it just to kind of get get it out there and to kind of heal from it, you know? Wow, what a ride, Doug. We're going to encourage people to go down to your channel and subscribe. Let me just see. I think somebody sent a question in for you. One second. Let me just pull this up. And um, it's from Donna. They really do brainwash the rich. How rich and foolish do you have to be to donate millions to climb an imaginary ladder to, is it a sea orc or something like that? Yeah. So what's the question exactly? About, um, this, about the, the sea orc? The, the ladder, the sea, the sea orc, what that means. What's a sea orc? Sea orc are those people that sign... Sea Org are the people that sign billion year contracts. This is where the human trafficking kicks in and they have, you know, they'll have kids six, seven, eight, ten 10 years old, sign billion year contracts, work as slaves for the rest of their lives for Tom Cruise or for the, for the, um, for the organization. That's what she's referring to with the Sea Org. Next. And by the way, it's not uh, uh, just real quick. It's, it's, it's not where it, it looks stupid from the outside, but if people didn't know anything about it and they went through it, it is a gradual process. It's not that, people are unintelligent because they do have a lot of, I'm not just saying this to feel good or anything. They do. You have to have a certain mentality in order to be able to handle the mind control and the trauma you're going to go through. So they have a tendency to get empathic or intelligent people. They don't hit you with Xenu right away. It's so subtle and slow that you don't see it happening. Mm. What's RPF, the punishment group. That's just come in a question from rehabilitation. Yeah. Raymond, the RPF is the Rehabilitation Project Force, and that's where they put newbies who are going to join the Sea Org into the boot camp. And they could be on there for six months, a year, two years. This is the breaking them down process. Again, they put kids on this, and you also go in there if you did a transgression or if you don't you know, meet the standards of the Sea Org, which is almost impossible. So people are constantly going to their, their prison slash boot camp, which is called the Rehabilitation Project Force, to break them down again get them to say they were wrong about whatever they, disagreement they had, which is why they were sent there. Or it's the training ground to get um, toughened up to become a CR member for the rest of your life. Well, some of the kids crack up under the pressure. Of course, man. Um, everybody cracks up under the pressure, but there's no way out. So you just learn how to disassociate. That's what the point of it, Sean. Um, mm. That's why I said they have to have certain people that can take the pain because you're going to disassociate and you you either are going to leave or you're not going to survive. So that personality test that you took and various other things, those are ways of weeding out who's going to actually be able to take to this. That's why it's so secret kind of, and they, they really won't let you in, Sean, if you go to the local organization and, you know, go with the camera, they'll get at, they're kind of a, they're a secret society, dude. So they have a ways of selecting who's going to kind of make the grade. They will take anybody, but they have ways to weed them out. Wow, absolutely fascinating, Doug. We've run out of time, but if you do ever come to London, we'd love to sit down with you and, and, and get you to tell your life story on camera. So please let us know if, if you're heading out this way. And I urge people to support you um, on your links that we're going to put below this video. So how can people contact you and support you? Just days, but not confused on YouTube. Confused is spelled with a Z and all the links to um, email, et cetera, is in there. If people want to contact me, Sean, 
I have been a fan for a long time, brother. I watch you all the time, and I really appreciate you having me on, man, and, oh, and to Ash, too. Yeah, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, and it is absolutely fascinating, but I'm sure there's so much more to it, so hope to speak to you again, dog. You take care of yourself. There we go. Hey, brother, how's it going? Hey, hey Sean, how are you, man? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for joining us again. We've been getting excellent responses to what you've previously said. People are fascinated by it, by your own journey and, you know, your bravery going up against these people. And is, is there anything you'd just like to say to the viewers as, by way of introduction first? Well, I just wanted to say I really appreciate you having me on again. And um, by way of introduction, I guess we left it off in the last interview where um, we kind of laid out my whole experience. So I guess we wouldn't want to redo that. But Ash mentioned perhaps starting with what's it like waking up out of a cult like Scientology that you grow up in for most of your life? Yeah, I would, I would, let's pick up there, but I will just give the viewers a little bit of, you know, about how you got into it, uh, how many sure. years you're in it. Just, just, a, just sure. a sum, in summary version. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So real quick, it's sometimes hard for me to do Sean because it's kind of a complex story. I have a whole YouTube channel trying to break down this mind trap because how can an idiot fall for something like this? But it's a really complex trap. Um, that this guy Hubbard developed. And my dad got into it by simply um, seeing an ad in a newspaper one day when he was at work and it said Dianetics, learn how to fix your family problems, learn how to communicate better. Something that um, caught his attention along the line of communication because he didn't know how to communicate with this very well. So he got involved in it when I was nine, brought the mind virus known as Scientology back to the family and spread it to all of us slowly. Again, I'm not, not gonna repeat the stuff we did last time, I got into it in my early 20s when I hit a vulnerable point and I was in it till my early 30s when a friend of mine from my acting class just happened to drop off a cult book on my doorstep called Combating Cult Mind Control by Steve Hassan. I read it and within 20 minutes, my life completely changed. And that was in January 2008. We're towards the end of 2022 now. And over 14 years later, it's still a trip thinking that that wasn't real. Such was the power of the mind control and the hypnosis I was under for most of my life. Yeah, because I remember watching documentaries about cults when I was young and they would like family members would get people out of these cults and then they'd, they'd bring in deprogrammers because mm -hmm. even though they were starting to see or they hadn't saw at all, it must be so conflictual. As you've been extracted, if you've been submerged in something for years, decades even, even when someone's telling you how preposterous it is, yeah. it, it must be an assault on your core and your entire belief system. Is that, did you go through something similar? It really is, Sean. I, I was, um, my only outlet was my acting class at the time. That actually prevented me from putting a gun to my head because that was kind of my psychotherapy. I was so... This is hard to explain because it's literally like um, the way I describe it is imagine all your beliefs that you've ever had in your life stored subconsciously on a hard drive and then that's completely deleted. So I kind of reverted back to what it was like as if I was six years old. I didn't know who I was. My self-identity and the core of who I was was completely shattered. And not only that, I now have to go against my parents and the cult who are now going to turn on me while I'm trying to figure out not only the problems that Scientology didn't handle. So now I have to undo all the mind control with Scientology, but what about all the problems that I never dealt with and ran away from in a cult? So the amount of going within and trying to figure out what happened to me 
reading a thousand books was a really long, it was a decades long process to actually feel grounded for the first time in my life to be safe from these maniacs. And I did lose my family and everything in the process. My dad is at the very top of the bridge, which by the way, is called OT8. Um, just real quick for the listeners, o, um, OT stands for operating Thetan. A Thetan is a spiritual being. That's who you are in Scientology. So for 20 years, my dad has been at the very top of the bridge. He's as about as robotic and mind controlled as you can get. And to go against my father in particular, and my mother, who not a full-on Scientologist, but she got sucked into it, moved up the levels to sort of keep the family together. And then also my sister and her grandkids, they're locked into the codependency of the family situation. And Scientology is the theme that locks all of our family together. So when I left that, it was an unbelievable experience that when I tried to explain it to my friend, Sean, in my acting class, it's all I would talk about because I needed to get it out. I needed somebody to understand. They would often tell me I was an idiot. Stop talking about it. Put Scientology aside and focus on your acting career, dude. Stop going on and on about this. So unless somebody's lived it or come out of um, not just Scientology, but any cult, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons um, can be very uh, cult-like. There's a whole bunch of them. So anybody that's coming out of a cult would know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it really does suck that you can't get somebody. And you, I really desperately needed it. I needed somebody to understand what I went through, but they simply didn't. Hold on a minute, Doug. You said then that you had these unresolved issues that were never addressed during your years within Scientology. But when I went into the Scientology Center in London and mm -hmm. filled out the questionnaire, they immediately pointed out my unresolved issues and said that if I signed up, they were going to fix them. Are you saying that that didn't actually happen to you? They didn't fix these issues? Well, why didn't you sign up and get your issues fixed, Sean? Why didn't you take to it? It sounded great, right? Not only do they not fix your, your issues, you I had so many issues from Scientology, and then I was paranoid about... I was I kind of went under the radar because... I didn't want to, I didn't want to speak out because I didn't, I just, my, my first task was to understand what happened to me. So I wasn't a real threat and they didn't quote unquote fair game me too much to your listeners. Fair game was what Scientology does to people. If you speak out, um, they might send private investigators on you. There's, um, the gals from the Danny Masterson case, which is happening right now, which you may want to talk about a little later. They have been allegedly fair gamed. Um, they will poison your pets. They will, they're a mafia organization. So they intimidate you to be quiet. And um, yeah, man, I, not only do they not handle your problem, Sean, I want to be really upfront because I noticed in the comments here, some guy was saying, oh, this is the guy that had some problems with Scientology, but it's not all bad. Let me be really clear. It's a mind control operation formed by a lover of Crowley, a true hardcore evil. I would call him a Satanist. That's what Scientology is completely based around, but is totally hidden as tools for life. So you're stepping into a trap that's like boiling a frog in water. It's really slow. And I have a feeling that guy's either an ex-scient or a Scientologist, or they also will have people from OSA, by the way, uh, their little intelligence people put little snipey comments in. It's a trap from the beginning. And it seems good because they bring you in with cheese, right? Like they do with any cult. So that guy might be a newbie and uh, might be eight, eight months deep and just loving the basic choruses, but he has no idea about Xenu 
and the schizophrenia and multiple personality that's going to be induced in him if he goes up to the, all the way to the confidential levels. That's what Scientology is. It's a mind control machine and it's a trap. Yeah, we get all kinds of attacks every week. Doug, last week we had uh, Stella on Julian Assange's wife and they tried to take our mm. entire internet down so we couldn't broadcast that one. Wow. The internet providers confirmed these things with some emails. All right, so um, Easy E is put in a super chat. We'll get back to what you were saying in a minute, but let's just, let's just see if we can address this. Does Doug know that Jack Parsons, devil worshipper, pre-NASA engineer, did rituals and curses on Hubbard because he stole his missus? Is Scientology mirroring or does it have devil worshipping undertones? Rather than use the S word, let's let's use devil sure. worship. <laughs> sure. In regards to the S word, if people want to know more about that, I just put out several videos about that particular topic. I'll be going more into that. But to answer that guy's questions, yeah. Real briefly, um, Jack Parsons died in a mysterious uh, death. He was a famous rocket scientist slash occultist. And in the mid-40s, he was renting out this house in Pasadena, California, where he was performing uh, occult rituals. And he wanted people, he would only rent out his house to people that were kind of in the eclectic hippie movement slash occult slash S, the S word. And so Hubbard just happened to go there and he became his right hand man in his black magic rituals. And they did something called the Babylon working um, to create the moon child. There was a gal named Marjorie Cameron that ended up showing up at his door and they assumed that this was the girl to impregnate to create this demon child called the moon child. So there's a whole bunch of information about that. But to keep a long story short, Hubbard then stole Jack's girlfriend, stole his money that he promised was going to be in a joint business venture, went onto a ship and sailed out uh, into the ocean. And freaking Jack Parsons followed him, did a banishing ritual or some ritual, some black magic ritual on the shore, which actually did cause the winds to go up. Hubbard got sucked back um, to shore, so he couldn't take off with his girlfriend. And Parsons ended up suing him um, for the business venture. And I believe he got his money back on that. But Hubbard was, um, by the way, Crowley wrote to Hubbard, uh, Crowley wrote to um, Parsons when he met Hubbard and Crowley was in communication um, with Parsons about this ritual. And Crowley says, Jack, what are you doing, dude? Like, um, this guy's a confidence. He's pulling a confidence trick on you. He's a con artist. Be careful. And he called them louts, meaning what are these idiots doing attempting this? Um, it's that moonchild, that Babylon working is kind of a, a big ritual to do if you believe in this black magic stuff. And uh, they certainly did. Wow. All right. So this question now ties in with like the likes of, you know, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, these big names. Serious question. This is from Dancing Queen. Are normal working class people into Scientology, as I only ever hear of rich people giving huge amounts of money into it? It's both. If you don't have a lot of money, um, I think we covered this briefly on the previous interview. If you don't have a lot of money, they want to take anybody, but they weed people out through what's called a personality test and other tests. But they want everybody. Hal Ron Hubbard was a great salesman and he appealed to everyone. So that if you don't have money, they try to get you on staff. That might be signing a two and a half or five year contract when they had missions back in the day. But nowadays they mostly have what's called orgs or organizations. These are the big buildings that David Miscavige, the current cult leader is pushing. And so if you don't have money, they will have you sign a billion year contract 
so that you can work for Scientology and its mission in this to save this sector of the universe. And not only this lifetime, but for a, however many a billion years is. Um, I know that sounds crazy. It's sort of metaphoric. What they're trying to do is, you know, get the idea across. It's this serious mission. Nobody really takes it seriously, but people always cackle at the billionaire contract and they do get people to sign it. That's the staff. If you don't have any money, they often get people from that are looking for a visa or they'll bring them overseas, you know, and con them into, um, hey, it's a great job. You know, you'll be saving the planet and all this. And they sign this contract and their parents never see them again. Now, if you do, it is a rich man's cult and a white rich man's cult. L. Ron Hubbard was super homophobic, racist, every ist you can add, right? So they have very few black people in, although they did align with the nation of Islam uh, with Louis Farrakhan, which is a kind of a, a whole nother topic. But they, it's a rich white man's cult. And yeah, you have to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to move up to the top of that bridge. OTA, which is where my dad got, the minimum to get to that is about a million dollars. So would Cruz and Travolta then, would they have to kick in money of that magnitude to go up the ladder or would they just be fast-tracked because of the celebrity status? Great question. Um, they would be fast-tracked, which kind of blew my mind because everything in Scientology is done exactly per the policies of Hubbard and you do it standardly and you do have to go up the initiation levels and that takes X amount of time. But they fast-tracked Nicole Kidman she was um she got up to ot3 i believe and even though she was never a hardcore scientologist and just kind of did it because her husband tom was in it she was fast-tracked up those ot levels and the bridge in general she went up very quickly so yeah if you're a celebrity they do all sorts of tricks that i was oblivious of and most of the scientologists are because when we're in that cult we firmly believe we're following the policies of hubbard and it says to do it in an exact way and it takes forever and a lot of work uh, to get up to those confidential levels and the levels right. in general. All right. So before those questions came in, we were talking about you getting out. Let me ask you this then, because sometimes mm -hmm. people say to me, Sean, you know, is there anything you miss about prison? And I say, actually, there are a few little things, you know, the camaraderie, right. the friends I made. You got out of Scientology, but are there things that you you missed, like immediately, immediately coming out and to this day? Definitely. Exactly what you just said about prison. Even to this day, there's a high that you have when you have a group purpose like that. that's never going to be replaced. That's a, the kind of the amazing thing about a cult. There's something about everybody being on the same page. And also we're under a lot of pressure, especially if you're on staff, you're under tremendous pressure to make things happen. So things can happen. And when you, you know, I'd imagine it's being like in the military with your military buddies, right? There's a bonding. There's a kind of a camaraderie that doesn't happen in the everyday world. I miss that massively. I've gotten over that quite a bit because I have a new life now and I have, you know, friends and stuff. But man, I do. I miss my friends that are stuck in there. I just saw a, uh, a video yesterday on a guy, by the way, a C-level actor named David O'Donnell, who's a Scientologist. This is a guy that I just cursorily knew around the organization. And there he is, uh, shilling for Scientology, trying to help out in Hurricane Ian out in Florida. Scientology has these things called volunteer ministers, where anytime there's a disaster, 9-11 hurricanes, they send their shills out in their um, yellow vests. And anyway, so there I see him in 2022, man, still in there. I see my buddies once in a while pop up in these videos going, how can you still be in this? So to me, it's just, it's another world. It's another lifetime ago that I was in that. 
And once in a while I get triggered and do, I miss these freaking people and I miss my parents, man. I mean, my parents are unrecoverable. People always weep and say, I hope they come out. It's not going to happen. Um, it's a long story, but you can get in too deep, but I miss the family. I miss the camaraderie. And like I said, the electricity of the group cause is ir irreplaceable in what Scientology would call the WOG world. Yeah, I so, hate to use that word, by the way. So, so when you get it. out then, are you completely ostracized? I mean, the friends that you made, that you bonded with, would they be able to, on the down low, send you an email and say, hey, Doug, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in here, you know, obviously I can't come out and meet you and blah, 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 but just want to check in, see if you're okay, how are you doing, man? It was, you know, it was, it was great, you know, while you were in here, the fun we had. Did, did, can anything like that happen? Or is there like a, a, a great wall that's blocking all this stuff? I've been hoping that would happen. I've been doing the YouTube channel. Well, I've been doing it for two and a half years now. And I thought that one person would do what you just said. But, you know, this is what I think, Sean. I think it actually, here's the thing. When I was in Scientology, you'd never click on a channel like mine. You just don't. You know, anybody that's saying anything negative about Scientology either doesn't understand it or they're what Scientology calls a suppressive person. A human translation would be they're a sociopath. They have, they're evil. So nobody goes against Scientology that, you know, doesn't have evil intentions, but I suspect one or two have Scientologists that I'll never know about actually have seen and, and been deprogramming from these videos. I mean, if any, if any Scientologists did, I really, really wonder if my parents have actually seen any of these videos. Um, I always wonder, I'd love to hear from one person to see what it would do because all the information is there, but but Sean, we are programmed. I mean, we are programmed where you're wrong if you say anything negative about Scientology. And the way I would look at people like that was pretty scary. So they, would, would those people then be terrified to reach out to you? Are they being surveyed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would. They have to get to a certain stage like I did because I was terrified for years when other shows were coming out. We had Going Clear that came out in 2015, which greatly helped pop the bubble on what Scientology was. Oh, they're not just a wacky UFO cult. They're a mafia criminal organization. Then we had Leah Remedy's award-winning series come out in 2017, which was called Scientology in the Aftermath. And, and many other people before that, which laid the groundwork where it's not as scary, but until you get enough distance, deprogram, maybe you have to handle, is your family in it? Are they not? There's a whole series of things that a person would have to go through to not feel scared of talks. Many, many people simply go under the radar. They try to keep their family so they don't maybe have to do Scientology according to their family. They just have to shut up about it and not say anything negative. My situation was different because <clears throat> I swear, Sean, <clears throat> as soon as I read that book and I found out that L. Ron Harbord, who I based my life around, this guy I absolutely believe was the most honest, greatest, I know it's going to sound stupid to your audience and believe me, it sounds stupid now, but I'm just telling you, we, we, and I believe that this man had the answers and was the most ethical, honest person. So when I read this book and found out he lied, that he was a liar that lit a fire under my ass where I didn't care if I lost my family. I didn't care if I got killed. I didn't care. I went homeless for a while. I went through a whole, it was hard, but I didn't give a crap because I, I, there's no way I was going to compromise go under the radar, be quiet. I tried to rescue my family. I bombarded them with phone calls. I cried on the phone. I got angry at them. I threatened their life. I did everything to try to wake my parents up. 
And that was a mistake too, because I was just doing the same thing that they were doing to me. I, I was needed them to not be a Scientologist for me to be happy with my life and continue. And they needed me to be a Scientologist for their life to fit. So I figure if I'm just going to try to wake them up and beat them over the head, they have every right to be a Scientologist and they take the consequences of that choice, just like I take the consequences of my choice. So it took me a long time. And this is where you asked earlier, are people afraid to talk out? Do they come forward? Um, I think if you can get to that point where you can really do a lot of soul searching and get yourself in a safe environment. And I do think that eventually people will feel compelled to say it. I've been healing massively and I couldn't be quiet about this, but yeah, sorry for the long story, but a lot of people are scared and under the radar to talk out because of the, of the cult. No, we love long answers on this channel. That's great. Thank you. Oh, okay. So sure. I've got even further questions on this subject, though. So you said your parents, Dan. I mean, to be separated from your friends is one thing. From your fresh, flesh and blood is another. Did you have siblings or any other family members? <sighs> yeah, man. Um, I haven't thought about her for a long time, but I, I do. My parents are a little, my parents might, I hate to say this, but they might be sociopaths on top of being Scientologists. So whether or not I'd have a relationship with them, even if they did happen to wake up, I doubt it. But my sister's not. She's a great person, and I miss her the most. I had a conversation with her once. The last time that I talked to her, where I was maybe year eight or nine getting out, and I went to her house because I was homeless, man. I was living in my car for a long time, and I needed help. I was just, I needed help the most. And my sister had to turned me away and it turned into kind of fight and me bawling. And it, that was the last time I saw her, but it was basically sis, can you recognize the problem that Scientology has created in our family? Could you kind of join my side and help me out? Cause I'm, I'm dying here. I'm, I'm, I'm starving. I'm death. I'm, I'm desperate. I need somebody in the family that understands this. So she kind of turned her back on me. I understand this um, because she's not full on a Scientologist, but they make sure that she does enough auditing that her grandkids are getting into Scientology. I couldn't watch Scientology get to my grandkids. I couldn't warn my sister. I think she knows what's going on for her to go the route that I would, would mean losing my family support. And she needs that. So she wasn't willing to kind of, um, such a freaking sad story, man, because I love my sister, man, but she she made the wrong decision. Man, yeah. that is absolutely heartrending. Um, so do you like hold hope of future communication with her? Yeah, I do. I think once my parents pass, uh, that we will actually uh, reconnect. I can't even in my wildest dreams imagine what that moment would be like. She only lives an hour away. Wow. You know, I live in Los Angeles. She, I, I haven't seen him. I, you know, I don't contact him. My sis hasn't reached out and I don't hold a grudge against her at all. So whenever that time is right, I totally understand her position. So whenever that time is right and my parents, uh, you know, pass, I think that we will be able to reconnect with them out of the picture, them and Scientology out of the picture. At that point, would there be a discussion about her getting out? I don't, here's, she has such an interesting story, Sean. First of all, in my family lineage, my, um, my grandmother is a Christian scientist. My parents are Scientologists. So they'd always fight about those. There's both cults. So they'd always fight about those cults. My sister was a Scientologist, but then escaped. She kind of made a, a subconscious escape from the family to get away from them in Scientology. 
but she married a very psychopathic man who caused her to join the Mormon church. So she escaped to New Mexico, got caught in the Mormon church. My family was always trying to get her back so they could get her back into Scientology and away from the Mormons and these freaks. So there's battlings between Christian scientists, Mormons, Scientologists, and then there's the Freemasons too. Uh, you know, my grandfather was in the Freemasons. He was, um, I got a hand-me-down uh, for my 21st birthday, a Freemasonic ring while I was a Scientologist. So it's just like cult cult fighting going in my family. And by <laughs> the way, Sean, what I, what I extracted myself from all this, it's the greatest, there's a lot of pain or whatever, but I'm telling you, it's the best choice I ever made because they're living in that world, fighting each other, and I'm just not a part of any of it. It, the, the, it was worth it to get away from not just Scientology, but the family dynamics of my family, which is kind of cult-like too. That is absolutely insane. Just when you think it couldn't go next level, it's just yeah, yeah. nuts. <laughs> and, now, and now we're going to go to another level because Ash has sent something here to me saying uh, there is a level called OT3, final level before beginning to wake up, exit the cult. And this gets us to the alien level. Yes. That is the final level, as if it couldn't get any crazier. <laughs> I'll try to explain this uh, succinctly. Hopefully, I won't ramble. But yeah, that's the level. Those now you get. So what you do real quick, Sean, is they suck you with the communication course, like we talked about last time, and then you go up what's called grades: grade zero, one, two, three, four, and then they have a state called clear, where you no longer have the things in your subconscious mind that are holding you back now. Finally, you get onto the confidential or OT levels. Again, that stands for operating Thetan. A Thetan is a spiritual being, so operating is a spiritual being. This is where you're going to learn how to undo the amnesia from all your past lifetimes. This is where you're going to remember who you are. This is where you're going to undo what they call the whole track trauma. That means all the things that happened in your past life that you're not aware of. So you think it's tools for life. It's, it's just helping you out in your family and your environment, going up the grades, even up to clear. And then all of a sudden, this is where they hit you with the Xenu story. And everybody thinks that Scientologists know this Xenu story, but only 5% of the people get up there. So most Scientologists don't, they, you, do, you do have a lot of space opera indoctrination because you listen to L. Ron Hubbard lectures about his space opera experience. So it's not totally withheld, but the Xenu and the alien thing is a total secret. And it's been exposed massively since then. But until then, it was like, once you become clear between then and achieving OT3, which is where you're hit with Xenu and the aliens and everything, you're said to be in danger because that part of your subconscious is now available. So you better hurry up and get up to OT3. So once I became clear, um, I went, I just covered this on my channel about all the BS they put you through to get up there. And then finally I get onto that. My parents are super excited. You know, my dad is because I'm finally going to know the secret that he does. And by the way, parishioners can't talk about it amongst each other or else you get fined $100,000 for each infraction. So me and my dad couldn't talk about it when I finally learned the secret, but we'd wink, wink and look at each other like, ooh, dude, we know. <laughs> it all seems so silly now, but it was really serious, Sean. I'd walk in order to get the materials, by the way. What they do real briefly is you do something called solo auditing, which is where you grab the materials. Um, I'd go down to my local organization in LA. I would have a locked briefcase on me and they have a person come over and make sure you're all secure at your house and have locks and everything. You can't show this to anybody. So I grab the materials in a locked briefcase, put them on me, go back to my house, go into my room, lock the room, and then I could unlock it and audit the materials. 
Um, it's too much to get into here as to what goes on, but that's the first time you, you're hit with the aliens and it's, and it's, it's um, Xenu is the galactic overlord that caused all this. And then the main thing that we're auditing is we're getting off spiritual beings that are attached to all human beings from the moment they incarnate called body things. So I spent hours on end telepathically communicating with these beings on my body using their e-meter and making them go away through a series of processes. And all the rest of the bridge is that same thing, more and more body things. On OT3, it's the body things that you're consciously aware of. Now, on o and then you're told that's it. There's something brand new on OT4, but it's not. Now you have to deal with body things that were on drugs that you couldn't access before. And then on OT5, you have to deal with body things that were pretending like they were a doorknob or some part of the physical unit. It just, it's wild, but I'm just saying it's all Xenu and body things and the confidential levels, but everything below that and why that commenter might have think Scientology is so good. You're not hit with any, hardly any of that lunatic asylum stuff. But wow. that's where it all leads. That's where wow. it all leads. <laughs> this is absolutely mind-blowing. And there's just so many questions coming for you, Doug. And we're about to run out of time for this section, but there sure. is a Q&A coming up in 30 minutes with you, I believe. Sure, I'll be here. So viewers, please, uh, you know, just stand by for the Q&A coming up in 30 minutes. And all the stuff I was going to talk about, we've only scratched the surface. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to, you know, you, you, you've been so generous with your time tonight. I'm going to see if Ash can perhaps, can perhaps get you back here in the near future because um, the, the, sure, the viewers anytime. are just fascinated by this. And Doug, before we just sign off of this section, can you tell the viewers where they can find your channel, what it's called and where you are on socials? Sure. Um, the main thing is just the YouTube channel. It's called Days But Not Confused and Confused is spelled with a Z. And they can find in the description box other socials, email, etc. All right. Cheers, brother. And Doug will be Thanks, back man. in 30 minutes. There we go. I'm going to bow out for now. So good luck, guys. Cheers. Hey, Doug. How are you, sir? Hey, Stephen. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome back. Um, before we jump in, I very much doubt I'd forgive myself if I didn't mention that incredible Big Lebowski poster you have behind you. Thank there. you. Bless you for saying that. Yes, this is the dude, in fact. And um, I'm not obsessed with the movie or I don't have some you know, weird relationship with uh, Jeff Bridges. I just really like that movie. And it's, it was a good place to shoot when starting the video. So we kept it in. It's awesome. Yeah, I get something from Thanks, that man. film every time I watch it. Um, so we'll we'll have plenty of questions for you, uh, plenty of questions in the chat as well. But just to sort of satisfy a curiosity of mine, which I never seem to get a solid answer on in terms of the Church of Scientology, why the nautical theme? Well, Hubbard had this, he had a horrible um, Navy career and it was short. In fact, I have a video showing his diary entries of what he actually, these are secret that were never supposed to come out of him showing just how bad his Navy career was and how much he kind of envied um, wanting to, the whole structure of Scientology has something called the Sea Organization. These are the people that signed the billion year contracts that were these intimidating Navy uniforms that we talked about previously. I think Hubbard was trying to emulate that with his cult and sort of regain in his mind he was delusional so in his mind he thought he was like a war hero and scientology is an extension of that fantasy that he has so that's why the nautical theme and also there's a nautical part to that of him having to escape into the sea as various government agencies were sussing him and sussing his con and he went out to the ship to form the sea organization to get off the crossroads of the world as he says 
i.e. run from authorities. So that's when he sort of really went hardcore on the C theme, you know? That's that's fascinating. That's a that is a comprehensive answer. I can take that one off. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I've always I've always thought as well. Do you do you feel in terms of organized religion that perhaps there's a disproportionate focus on Scientology as being a bit kooky and out there given it's a fairly new religion and whereas <laughs> older religions are tend tend to be just accepted without question or almost as a virtue for some people is there a disparity there i do but i make a distinction on that in the interview with andrew we covered that the way yeah i do i personally do see it that way it does have too much attention on it um mind you it's a mafia organization that won't let you leave minus consequences so that's the difference that we discussed with andrew on the difference between a religion like if you're a christian for example um they may have just as crazy beliefs as scientology but you're more or less free to come and go you don't have to believe it's not like that with what i call i call scientology a secret society i put it in the same category as the freemasons the oto and a whole bunch of other ones where they're set up like a pyramid structure and they have various levels and you have to get to the various top to find out what the truth is because it always changes so you learn one truth from the bottom up to clear and then you learn another like i have to get rid of my subconscious mind and then you're told about these body thetans these entities that you have on you on the confidential level so the truth completely changes now i don't have my own subconscious mind i have to get rid of i have to get rid of the subconscious minds of all the beings that i'm now suddenly told are on me and then by the time you get to the top ot8 this level was removed by David Miscavige in the early 80s because it was so offensive to Christians in particular. You can't be any other denomination and be a Scientologist, but they claim that you can, and they try to beat it out of you. But some people that got up to this level in the 80s when it was available, it's since been changed by Miscavige to a lighter version. Um, they still held on to some of their Christian ideology, and they were offended when L. Ron Hubbard basically said that he is uh, Satan. He's Lucifer, the light bringer. He's come to fulfill the biblical prophecy talked about in the um, second coming. In other words, in the Bible, I know Christians, I'm not a Christian expert, so please, Christians, correct me. But apparently there's a brief period where the Antichrist would reign according to the Bible. And that period is now. And Hubbard said that he simply was uh, Lucifer, the light bringer, who was there to fulfill that. It's a super offensive document uh, to Christians. I have it on my YouTube channel. I have it in its own words of him speaking, if people want to see more about that. But the difference between a religion, which, um, you know, should I probably receive as much attention as Scientology? I think the reason Scientology uh, re gets more attention is because, of, like I said, the pyramid structure of the secret society, the fact that they're so vindictive um, on going after critics and it's it's very difficult to extract yourself it's not like that with your um with your local religion as far as i understand it sure i suppose that's a very important distinction isn't it i suppose mm -hmm. people are incredibly fascinated by this idea of auditing what that involves what the sort of uh, devices are that are used and what is the purpose of it maybe you can give me a, an outline of what a basic auditing session would be like Okay, I just want to give a precursor to that by saying I lay out um, in my channel um, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s, particularly when Operation Paperclip and Project MK Ultra were in style. That's when Hubbard, um, his Scientology came out. And why that's important is because 
So much of what Hubbard says he's doing versus what's actually happening are completely different. So an auditing session is actually a hypnosis session. L. Ron Hubbard was first, he was two things. He was, I would call, I would say an expert in the occult and he was a master hypnotist. So what happens in an auditing session is every single word and everything that you do is reframed, which an expert hypnotist would be able to come on and, and say, oh, I see what you're doing. So an odd, so, so we start out with the e-meter, right? This, um, let me take you through the very first thing that they're going to probably have you do to introduce you to this weird thing called auditing and this e-meter, because normally you'll do a few choruses, you're, you're let in slowly. And then the very first thing that they probably will have you do is something called life repair. It's a very simple introductory auditing action to get somebody used to the weirdness of what you're about to go through. So what they do is they take you into this room, they sit you down. And they have a procedure that's designed to put you into hypnosis. But again, it's all reframed as if these are tools for life. So what you do is you're sitting in a comfortable chair. They hand you the cans, which are soup cans connected to um, this device called an e-meter that has a needle that the psychotherapist on the other end is going to um, determine what's in your subconscious mind. So they, what they, the very first thing they say is they say, squeeze the cans, please. So you give a light, gentle squeeze and the auditor seeing the needle fall. They have to make sure that you're in a suggestible state is what it's all about. But they, but this is the procedure they put you through to, this is, I hope, I hope I can explain this without losing people too much, but it's really complex. And that's part of why you fall for it. Cause you just go along with it. Cause it sounds so scientific and it sounds so complex, just the opening. So squeeze the cans please. And they make sure that the, the audit, the auditor has the needle on the dial. And then they say, take a deep breath hold it for a moment and let it out through your mouth. So I go, <sighs> again, the auditor's checking the needle. Now, the very first question after they get the needle, the meter all set up is they ask you four basic questions at the beginning of every session. And that is, do you have a present time problem? So what happens is these are the elements that you have to get out of the way before you can get into the body of the session. You can't have any upsets in your life going on. They have to handle that first. You can't have any present time problems, etc. So they say, do you have a present time problem? Now, if at the very end of that wording problem, the needle falls, they will take it up and they'll say, do you have a present time problem? Because it read on the meter. Now, if it doesn't fall after they, right after they ask that question, then they go on to the next one. Has a withhold been missed? A withhold is anything that you're withholding that you're not talking about. And again, if it reads, they take it up and you would go, yeah, I kind of um, stole $10 from my friend today and I didn't tell him about it. Thank you. Is there an earlier similar time a withhold has been missed? So that's an example of that's actually what happens. Does that make any sense at all or is that too complex? That makes sense to me. I suppose my question would be, what is the needle registering? Is this a random thing? Is this, is this coming? It's registering you know, is... nothing. It's all pseudoscience. Um, what it, well, what it's registering is the, um, what it says is that it's registering, okay, between the cans and the e-meter, there's, there's actually an electrical current going through your body, a light electrical current. And they say that pictures in your mind have mass so if you pull up a picture that needs to be taken up, something that has charge on it, the needle, according to Scientology, will fall because there's a resistance in that circuit. So when you pull up a picture in your mind, because you have electricity going through your body while you hold these cans, 
that resistance is what's going to cause the needle to fall. And my man, they have a whole program on how to be an auditor that breaks this down all scientifically where you're mind blown. You're like, holy, I mean, how did this guy figure out the subconscious mind this deeply? All it's doing is registering sweat or maybe you move the cans. <laughs> no, it's doing nothing. It's complete pseudoscience. Sometimes um, here's something that's interesting, though. And L. Ron Hubbard was an awesome uh, con artist. So one of the things that convinced me that this meter was real is what they you ever seen those people that do a stress test, you know, where they're out there. Do you know anything about Scientology? You ever seen these freaks around? Yes, uh, it's not it's depends. not quite as uh, widespread in the UK, but there is certainly a presence. But yeah, I've uh, I've read Going Clear. I've seen a few documentaries. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. Well, anyways, they have these uh, weirdos that have these um, red uh, uniforms that they wear on. They have them specifically out here in Los Angeles where they try to rope people in with a stress test. And what they do is they have their little e-meter. They'll grab somebody off Hollywood Boulevard and they'll say, you know, sit down here and uh, let's go over some stuff. One of the things that they show these people and what they showed me, which is a trip, is they say the needle reads a subconscious mind. So what they do is while the person's holding the cans, they give them what's called a pinch test. So they pinch them. And while they pinch them, they say, watch the needle. So when they pinch them, the needle will fall. And then they say, recall the moment of the pinch. And they, they have the guy watch the meter. And when they do, it will actually fall roughly the same distance simply by remembering that. Now, I don't know how to, how to explain that exactly, um, but it's doing something where I've seen it enough and other people that have seen this test will agree that it actually does do that. That doesn't mean that you have a mass, uh, that pictures have mass, that there's a resistance occurring and that L. Ron Hubbard can magically read into your subconscious. It's just a trick that they're showing you to convince you that that meter works. Yeah, that's that's that. Is but but that that was that's a major uh, part of making Scientology. Scientology has the word science in it. They use all sorts of words to make it sound legitimate. And then when you add in that e meter and you show them the little pinch trick, uh, the little pinch test trick, these can be pretty convincing as to following the rest of the trap. Absolutely. So, I mean, we just brought up uh, Lawrence Wright's excellent work, Going mm -hmm. Clear, uh, the book. I'm not sure if you're aware, but that book was actually delayed in the UK for the longest time because... I didn't you, know that. Well, sure. as, as you will know, the, science, the Church of Scientology are incredibly litigious and use the full force of whatever yes. means they can to suppress yeah. dissent and criticism. And they actually exploited some really harsh UK libel laws to, present the, uh, to prevent the publication of that wow. book for a while. We eventually got around it, but I think it was a several years. So I suppose my question is are you worried about that aspect of the church given you're such a vocal critic of it that they have this well-financed legal team at their disposal that are obviously probably not very happy about you uh making appearances on shows like this and then giving the game away honestly i i've noticed a little more heat coming the more the channel grows but i don't have too much worry about that i'm not as prominent as the leah remini mike rinder and the other people that uh, are much more prominent also, there's the fact that because so many of people have spoken out, they don't seem to be nearly as vicious as they used to be up to about 10 years ago and before. So the tide has definitely changed. No, I don't, I don't worry about them. I did have a little trepidation when I first started talking out about it. I thought on day two of the first video, my mother and my father were going to be flanked on both sides with two of those Sea Org members, those people in the Navy <laughs> uniforms. No, I really thought they were going to show up at my house and try to talk to me. 
They weren't going to take me out in the backyard and off me. They were just, they have ways of trying to convince you to stop talking out about it. I did have some threats at the beginning. I had things happen with my car or whatever. I can't prove any of it's Scientology. It seems like not much has happened. And like I said, I'm not as prominent. And even if you are prominent, they have so much on their plate right now, my man. They have Danny Masterson, you know, uh, to deal with, which is shining a spot. That's a rape trial that's going on that, that's shining a spotlight on them. They have so much, so much to deal with. I don't think they're happy about it, but what can they do? I mean, they can't do anything. I don't have one of the things that prevents people from speaking out is they have everything in your life. You will tell them, especially by the time you get it to those confidential levels. So they have everything I've ever done in my folders and I don't have too many skeletons in my closet, you know? So that's what they use to shut people up, to um, go after them. They really can't do a whole a heck of a whole lot. They just can't. And also well, I don't, I, I was kind of hoping that they would, so I could get some footy, video footage showing how these freaks act. You know, they used to have the squirrel busters, these people called squirrel busters that would wear, um, there's some videos that if people are interested in, they have to check it out, but they would show up with video cameras and harass one of their top critics at the time named Marty Rathbun. And they would do all sorts of things to, you know, ruin your business and make you look like an idiot, but it's not like that anymore for the well, most part, for the most well, part. That's something at least. And I suppose I mean, we briefly touched on other religions earlier and they have an advantage in a way of their prophets and the originators of their religions being sort of in the distant past, almost these mythical figures that we can't touch right. or know much, too much about. Whereas Scientology was born in the full light of day. We have a really clear picture of who L. Ron Hubbard was, what he believed, some of the more kookier aspects. It's well documented. It's within living memory. Yet many people mm -hmm. can somehow compartmentalize all that and still find the church a convincing place to hitch their wagon to, the Church of Scientology, that is. What, what is it about that, that sort of cognitive dissonance? How, how do we explain the fact that we can describe who the, uh, the, the originator of this religion is and what he believed, and, and, and that should really expose the nonsense of it, but it doesn't seem to for some reason? Well, a couple of things on that. What's interesting about Scientology and Hubbard is you can he almost laid out how a religion, how religions were created in the first place. Yes. So he's a very good model to use to suss other ones, because you're right, it's in modern times. Another thing that's really um, key to get across, it's not sold as a religion. It's sold as a science of the mind, a technology and an answer for every single problem, paradox and conundrum a person has ever had. All the answers to life, scientifically proven. You don't have to have faith like a religion. Um, we were not thinking that we were involved in a religion. We knew it was kind of a tax scam. But Hubbard's um, technology was so convincing that it was accepted that we said we were a religion. The, the, they give you lines to say to outsiders that ask these questions and they drill you on what to say. So one of the things people would say is, you know, how could this be a religion and this, that? Well, we say it's we would say it's not a religion. The only reason it's a religion is because like other religions, what we do have in common is we deal with the spirit or the soul but we are different and that we have a technology. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to have faith. You don't have to believe in something that you can't see. We will show you the answers and it's a science, hence Scientology. It's all, it really is sold that way. It's not sold like a religion. And we all know um, after being in and around it for a while, why, it, what the party line is to say to outsiders, oh, we deal with the spirit. That's why it's a religion. But secretly we're going, 
all these other religions are retarded. We have a science. Yeah, the word science is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, isn't it? Yeah, I, it is. I, suppo I suppose one, I mean, we spoke about the disproportionate attention brought to Scientology at the start of our conversation. And I suppose we can trace much of that back to the fact that it's it's linked with sort of Hollywood now. You know, some mm -hmm. big hitters in the in the world of Hollywood, you know, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, I believe, uh, are, are really wedded to this ideology. And I'm not particularly shy about saying so publicly. Um Good when asked, I suppose. Now, I suppose mm -hmm. the two questions here, is there an evangelical nature to Scientology in terms of if you're a Scientologist, are you told to share the word? And and secondly, what is it about Hollywood uh, that that they seem to be, that seem to gravitate towards this new religion? Well, Hubbard may be many things, including a psychopath, but he wasn't dumb. So obviously he could um, survey the world and go, gee, what are, who are people going to listen to more than anybody else, even though they, there's no qualifications to do so? Celebrities. So he, at the very beginning, created a celebrity center, and he had this policy called Project Celebrity, where he tried to get Walt Disney. Um, he, I think uh, Aldous Huxley got involved for a while. He targeted um, celebrities for the very obvious reason that those are the people who people listen to. So, it, you know, them having Tom Cruise alone has brought in more people to that church and probably is a main thing that's actually keeping it afloat besides the fact that they have their tax exempt status still. So that's just a no brainer. If you want to um, get people into your cult and make it seem um, legitimate, even though this makes no sense and is, I think is stupid, you simply bring in celebrities. So that's why he did that. And again, he had a whole program to make sure that that happened. And what was the second part that you asked, Stephen? Um, I think you answered the second part first. So I think the first thing I asked was, is there a, an evangelical spread the word? Oh, aspect definitely. It's kind of a requirement because the way Scientology works is because Scientology gave you all the wins and gains and success in your life. My, my dad in particular um, started to do better in Scientology. And there's a snag to that. Um, I, I, it's too much to go into detail, but people can have their income and their um, life started to change because they're love bomb. They had people helping him. And there's all sorts of um, elements going on that can maybe make you improve your life temporarily. Um, but it's a requirement because you can't just kind of do Scientology. This is why a lot of people practice it outside of the church, by the way, because of the actual organization requires it. Scientology, um, without getting too technical, they push um, these things called the dynamics. You have to be successful in every area of your life. The first dynamic is self. Um, another dynamic would be groups. Another dynamic would be God. All the basic elements that a human being might have an urge to survive through naturally. The one that they push the most is the group. Scientology gave you all the success you have in your life. Therefore, you have to contribute back. And a huge part of that is proselytizing. They definitely want you to get members in. It's kind of part of the requirement to get out of those confidential levels. You have to show that you've contributed. You have to show how many people you've got in. You have to show how much you proselytize, how much you're hardcore. And I felt a compulsion to do that too. It's part and parcel with the cult, but I also hated it. So I only got, I got a few people in, all of which left quickly. And the only person that I got in that stayed in was an ex-girlfriend who, thank God, left uh, when I did because she was just basically doing it when I did. But absolutely. In fact, you can make a living, and some people do, by getting people into Scientology and getting 10% of all the services that they take. It's, it's, it's even more hardcore than 
converting people in other religions, you need to get people in because why the hell wouldn't you? We're saving the planet. We don't have time to waste. We need as many people on board as possible. It's not a church on Sunday school. It's a full-time life-changing commitment. Right. And uh, something rang true to me earlier when you were saying they, they almost market it to strangers as this new way of taking control of stress. You know, you know, it's a busy world out there. People are stressed. Come inside and we can help you with that. So let's just say I, I, I rock up to my local church of Scientology, which is located in my home city of Manchester. Uh, there is a, there is a, a base Sorry to there. hear that. Yeah, I, nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah. let's just say I, I was to rock up there and say I'm, I'm very keen about mm -hmm. self-improvement and dealing with stress what would they do with me from there what would be the first stages of sort of indoctrinating me into the church of scientology the very first thing they'd have you do is fill out a personality test and after that you would take a pseudo iq test the personality test is rigged to find your vulnerability and push that button is what they call it so you'd fill out a 200 questionnaire so you walk in and say, hey, I'm interested in Scientology. And they say, the, the very first thing is, here's a 200 questionnaire. Go into this room over here and fill it out. It takes about an hour. And they're very, by the time you're done with it, you might be a little spaced out because the questions are vague. They're worded in such a way to re-stimulate you. That's their word in Scientology for getting under your skin. <laughs> and it's a really trippy test, man. So by the time, and, you, and you, you fill in yes, no, or maybe to the questions that are, that are asked. One of the questions that, that is asked, paraphrasing here is, do you spend an exorbitant amount of time looking through dictionaries? It's random, weird, right? So you're already thinking, right? Now imagine doing 200 of those and then filling out their stupid little IQ test. And then they're going to take you into a room. And based on that test, it's all rigged. Um, I'm going to do a video on how it's actually rigged to... It is good at actually finding people's weak, weak spots. Um, so let's say, let's say you had a problem. It almost all centers around communicating. It's sort of like um, doing a cold reading on someone or throwing the bones, right? It's, you're going to hit on something. So they say, okay, well, you're having problems in your work, right? You're not making as much money as you want. You want to be more successful. You said you're tired all the time, Stephen, right? If you could learn how to communicate better, because they almost all try to center it around getting you onto this communication course to start. Not always, but that's sort of the, the one they want to get you on. So any problem you say, they're probably going to say, if you could just learn how to communicate better, if you could confront people, if you could look people in the eye. Mm -hmm. Stephen, I noticed earlier you're looking down when you're talking to me. We need to get you looking right in the person's eye and having that confidence. This is what they would say. Let's say even if you were, you know, looking down at them when you were in that room, they're, they're, they're very trained to get under your skin. And, you know, this is what happened to me, my dad, my mother, and my sister. It's called finding your ruin. And once in a while, they can touch upon something that if you're in there for hours on end to get you to open up to something that you wouldn't tell your most intimate partner. You know, I have a feeling my dad told them stuff that my mom doesn't know about to this day. So they kind of can create a quote unquote safe space talking to this stranger. Well, you, I felt compelled after a while to tell them my deepest stuff that I didn't want to tell anybody. Once they have that on you, they can do all sorts of numbers on you. If you, now that's followed up immediately. Okay. So we need, 
you have a problem communicating. So you're looking down again, Stephen. We got to get you communicating. If we, <laughs> this this course is 50, Hey, I'm just being <laughs> I'm just being a Scientologist right now. I'm just giving you a hard time. But so, but uh, but I'm trying to give you a real life example. So they say, look, it's a hundred dollars. Do you have? Can you pay cash or credit? It's just full on, right? We'll get you signed up for this communication course right now. It'll only take you a week. And here's some of the raving success stories. Did you know that John Travolta and Tom Cruise are in this? Did you know that Tom Cruise used to have dyslexia and this course, along with the study technology, fixed it? We got to, you got to try this, Stephen. So let's sign you up today. So that's what they do. And it's only a hundred bucks. So some people, if they're crying or they did get their ruin, they'll take to it. And then the next thing they would do is they'd sign you up for that communication course. We covered that on Sean's previous one. I can break out again if you want, but that would most likely be the next step. So we're not even at that auditing yet. You know, Stephen, we're, we're, we haven't even gotten onto the bridge yet. And what I described to you earlier with the needle and squeeze the cans and all that, that's kind of advanced level stuff. There's many other courses that you would take along the lines of the communication course before you get into that, let alone the Xenu and stuff. You touched on something I was actually going to ask you about moments ago when you said they, they managed to collect all this information on you when you, you feel trusting enough to spill some of your most personal thoughts and feelings and details, and then they collect this information and then they can hold it over you in a way. And so that's a common practice. In what way are these things logged? Is it paper-based? Is it audio recordings? Is it video? And, and where right. are they kept? Okay. Well, remember at the beginning of the auditing session, um, they asked you questions. Do you have a present time problem? Has a withhold been missed? Let's take that question. Has a withhold been missed? At the very beginning of every session, you might, you're, you trust this person after a while. So you'll tell them all the things that you're withholding that you wouldn't tell your friends. The auditor writes all this down in short form. Now they have a lot to record because the session moves fast and there's a lot that the, the they call them the pre-clear. That's, that would be you. And then there's the auditor. Um, they have a lot that the pre-clear, the, the newbie Scientologist would be saying to the auditor. So they write it down real fast and they're trained how to take shorthand and those folders are kept for life. And that's what they go through. Now, also, when you get onto the OT levels, they do something called a security check. And that's a really in-depth one that's not just asking you, has a withhold been missed? But tell me time, place, form, and event of every past bad deed you've ever done. Something along those lines. Trust me, they're really thorough um, once you've been in for a while on having certain auditing actions that will get every single thing on you. And when you join the organization as a Sea Org member, they have you fill out a whole life history. Have you masturbated? Who are your sexual part? Every single minor detail you can imagine. Are you connected to any psychiatrist, any psychologist? Because we can't have you anywhere near those people. What's your family background, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've been in for like, what, 20 some years or whatever, however long I've been in and gone up to basically the top, they know more than I know about myself. They'd probably be able to, you know, reel off things back to me in their folders because they keep they keep everything. And that is, uh, again, what makes it different from a religion, perhaps, and also what makes them criminal and uh, and mafia like because Elrond, they're all it's all based on Hubbard's mentality. And Hubbard's mentality was you never forgive. You never forget. You always make somebody pay that goes against Scientology, always up to and including uh, actually killing them. And that's in a policy by Hubbard ruin them utterly and uh, do you feel like he may have ever enacted that policy do you think do you think there has been some covert slayings in the name of scientology you mean myself or has that been done to me do i think 
Uh, I mean, do you think Scient the Scientology, the Church of Scientology, have ev ever made somebody disappear? Uh, someone? I mean, do would they Absolutely. have power to do that? Absolutely. I never know what I can say on these podcasts about. I'm always careful not to libel myself because they they do pay attention and you know they like to get you on any little thing. So let me just say that if someone wanted to scour the internet, there's tons of information about there about people they've had quote unquote disappeared. And my take, they wouldn't necessarily do it directly. They would hire, uh, they would have many levels of, if they were going to take someone out, they would do it through um, many levels of buffering, meaning the person that would actually take that person out would have no connection to the Church of Scientology. They're very careful to cover their tracks if it's going to get up to something like that. But for the most part, they don't do that. They simply try to ruin you and bury you. Um, they try to get you to lose your job. They find out they have a whole program that they tell their operatives, which is called OSA. That's their equivalent of the CIA that stands for Office of Special Affairs. It's a whole dedicated unit on finding out what does this person hold valuable and go after it and attack it viciously. So if it was your income, Stephen, if it was whatever, they would find out your background and they would um, take away what you value the most so you'd shut your mouth that's what they normally do um and it gets worse than that too it just depends on who they're dealing with and how serious it that critic is doug thank you very much for your time that's been absolutely thank fascinating you. i feel like i could speak to you all evening about this and uh, we'll hopefully have you back at another time to answer some of the audience questions thank you very much thank you Stephen. take care